Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome to Tuesday afternoon. It is Cinco de Mayo today, and so if you are going to a Mexican restaurant, you can't because most of them are closed, but uh, it is Cinco de Mayo, and it's a great day to be out here and around. So so I'm looking forward to spending a couple hours with you today. I've got an interesting guest uh, with me that uh, we're going to talk about uh, what's going on in the world, and uh, his name is uh, Matt Shea. He is an author here locally, and he does some uh, incredible uh, writing. He's got like 10 books, um, and he's working hard on developing more, and what we're going to talk about today See, here's the thing. We both live in the same park. Uh, it's a 55-plus community, and it's over here in, on the west side of uh, Washington. And, and um, be, being a 55-plus community, it, there are certain issues that we have that maybe other people don't have, which is we all have underlying health, health uh, conditions, and we're all old. And so that that makes it a little bit more difficult of a challenge for us to navigate through this uh, uh, coronavirus uh, issue that we got going on. And uh, with that, I want to I want to welcome Matt by by saying, Matthew, that uh, yesterday when I called you to, to see if you wanted to play on the the uh, podcast, you said, well, good. I'm glad it's tomorrow because today I'm taking an 86 year old lady to the doctor. You do that a lot, don't you? I do it, but I think it's like a stray cat. I think they're actually picking me. I'm having so much fun. This is our neighbor, Paula, who's lived here over 20 years. And it was all said and done. She goes, hey, let's go out and get a hamburger. So we did the hamburger stand thing. We were now going back to our teenage years. I had a fun afternoon. It always plays out that way with them. Well, that's 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 awesome that you are uh, uh, doing what I think is going to ne be necessary for us to get through this is to develop and maintain a sense of community. Do you agree with that? Paul Harvey, I just who didn't love his shows, but he was talking about how early America, when the roads were bad, the chuckles before asphalt and concrete came into play, communities were kind of contained as we are now. And people were more neighborly. There was always a pot of stew. There was always a hay bale in your front lawn. There was always a gift going back and forth. And everybody must wave before passing. Not what we have today. So minus the illness and those loved ones that we're worried about, the concept of families being united, the upside of that. Uh, that part I like a bit. It is... It is um really strange the times that we're living in i was uh looking at the news a little bit earlier and i can't believe it wendy's actually wendy's the hamburger place actually ran out of hamburger which is i can't over a thousand stores they ran out of hamburger can you imagine that kevin we know rod sterling twilight zone do you remember that one episode the monsters on maple street 
the way they attacked was they took away the electricity and then one person got electricity and here comes the paranoia they attacked. Hamburgers, toilet tissue, things we take for granted. Yeah, I feel kind of funny looking around like, what's going on? Well, and I understand that you have been the purveyor of toilet paper in the park. Is that is that accurate? Well, that's true because about a month ago, it was really bad. And so I was one of those people early, early in line with many behind me, kind of like Macy's during the holiday season that, you know, after Thanksgiving when they get flooded. But it was a Robin Hood thing. I would buy that one they would allow me. And then the neighbors that you and I see on a daily basis, here you go. Now, it's tragedy because I've known some that were reduced to other means. One was down to her last box of Kleenex. She found an old box of Kleenex somewhere. Well, here you go. And what a thing to be known for. But the fact is, we had a shortage, and they could not get out there anyway. And who did get out there couldn't return with it because you've got a few minutes or gone. So um, I never resold it. It was like a form of tithing. A life has been very good to me. Here's your roll of tissue. Here's your package. <laughs> I have to laugh because it's kind of like, uh, you know, like, like, thank you. That's, you know, I can't think of something more important at a particular given time than to have a roll of toilet tissue. And when you don't have it, you don't realize how much you need it. Oh, definitely, definitely. And you look at the average person, when they go to a Santa can, almost always they just make sure. They have Kleenex or something, just just to make sure. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it is the human condition. And, and uh, that, that I guess that's why uh, there was such a run on toilet paper, because people were going even even more than food. I mean, yeah, the, the pasta aisle was near empty, the rice was near empty and stuff but but the toilet paper was always very empty and there were people actually standing in line waiting for them to bring more out of the back so that they could have some toilet paper it was it's we live in uh, such weird times it's just amazing so so let me ask you my friend how are you how are you navigating through this the coronavirus and staying at home and not going out much and wearing a mask and all that stuff Somebody's going to slap me, but I'm having the time of my life. And I remember <laughs> the old the old cabbage patch doll. Remember that? Oh, sure. Grown up would steal the last one from the other's cart, and then here comes somebody put the cabbage patch doll. And he looked at them. They weren't cute. It was just kind of an image of idol. And so it's something Dr. Seuss would write about. It gets very childish over something simple, but uh, something is happening, and it's affecting all of us. Uh, one of the things I'm doing is rotating my canned foods. And so Ella, who's in her mid-80s, she came over last night. We were watching the History Channel, and my can opener, well, you get whatever it is and grate some cheese and crackers, and now that's the meal. And so I'm enjoying this. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Well, you know, it's um, because you're a social guy and uh, being an author and and being a student of watching life, I'd like your Im- impressions about what you're seeing. How is life changing for us? I see that we are having a separation. And what I mean by that is when you see a power failure, one or two things happen. 
Here come the neighbors. They got candles. Hey, I got a generator, an extension cord. Or you get those where, well, the burglar alarms aren't running. The police are undermanned. Let's make our move. And so it goes from good to bad. So I look at that good half. We kind of contain ourselves and look out for one another. When I moved in this neighborhood, I bought a uh, sofa that folds out to a bed. And the reason why is I keep thinking of a family member who writes me. I got several of them or a neighbor that I come across. Something might play out where they need to park it here for a few days, a few, whatever. But the fact is, whether or not it happens, I know I can do it. And that's a great feeling. And hopefully it's you sometime. Well, and and I hope that, that, if if it is, it's somebody that really, really, truly needs it because not very many people would think along those lines to buy something in anticipation of something that hasn't happened yet. That's pretty cool. Well, I remember growing up, we would get the Seattle snow days, and by Montana standards, what a joke. But Seattle, we got it dusting. Oh, this is great. Shut down the roads. Well, my mom and her friends would get together and they wish it would keep coming down so that now we're all snowbound. So you can tell that that's not going to happen. And we could get up early and get a fireplace going and like a big pot of porridge. They were serious. They wanted to go back to the 1800s and survive. There's a, there's a feeling of love and accomplishment when you have but no choice to do that. That's true. Now, I wouldn't mind going back to the, to the 1800s, providing we, st- we still have indoor plumbing. Because the outhouses back then were cold in the winter, in the winter time, I would imagine. Are you familiar with Lake Osuyus in, in the state of Washington? I've heard of it. Lake I haven't Osuyus. been there. Well, it is the boundary line between America and Canada. Well, my friend Renee, who we interviewed, she had an uncle up there, and he lived on the Canadian side, way up on a hill, and he had an outhouse, a root cellar. And this is no joke. He invited us to see him a few years ago. He fixed up one of these gothic TV antennas that belongs on Lost in Space, one of those huge future things that weighs the size of a car made out of aluminum, the Jetsons would have it. And then he was able to get two TV channels for us. He had corn cobs ready to go. And then he said, well, you might want this. And he had a little bit of toilet tissue. But that's how backwoods it was. Corn cobs, we heard the jokes. That was part of heritage, how things were done. So I'm glad I had the option, but I loved it. It was so neat to be up there. (laughs) Are you you saying what I think you're saying? (laughs) That's exactly what I'm saying, because it was, he had a beautiful, desolate, primitive spot where all the stars came out at night. And you do not own a pet cat because it's going to be part of the food chain. But he was so backwards, not only did he have a hot house, he had the corn cobs. And, oh, yeah, your city people, toilet tissue. Yes, I know what that is, and that was my choice. I've always wondered how someone would use a corn cob for that. I can't, I can't, I can't imagine. Did you have experience with that? Can you enlighten me? I don't, but I dodged a bullet. I came close. But I guess if you go back far enough, we didn't have this concept of tissue. And something like that or comparable 
you don't have a choice. Well, you do what you got to do. And, and you know, uh, we're finding that that's happening more and more now is that you, people are making do and figuring out how that they can get through. Because, you know, there are people that are like um, our friend Lisa, who is going to be on the show tomorrow. She's got a husband and four kids and herself, and they're all sequestered in the house and have been for a month, month and a half. It's got to be really hard when you've got a lot of people sequestered together and and they're not used to being together like that. Okay, you and I know Lisa very well. We've done more than one show with her. She is so fun and energetic. I bet as soon as this quarantine's over, that group's going to go out and do a vacation together. I mean, think about it. She is fun. She's lively, imaginative, the company she keeps. Uh, I bet they can't get enough of it. Well, you're probably right. So, um, and and it it's only because she and her husband and and there's a lot of love in that house and and with the kids. Oh, that, yeah. You know, two are from one, two are from the other, and and they they're working together to be together now. But I did want to ask you, sir, um, being an author is what's happening right now is that something that you are going to incorporate into a book somehow or have you i am and i already have i had several books lined up and several of them are already published and cbs radio had me on recently because there were two in particular and the theme was here we are in one case stranded up in the mountain snowbound we got to get along we've got to survive together they have slaves. They have slaves and horses, and the kids are playing in fireplaces, and they're having the time of their life. The other one was a depressed town that got so depressed with most of the businesses going out where they had to do community potluck and so forth. But it was the same thing. Look at us. We're surviving together. What happened here, you and I live very close. We're just a couple hundred feet apart. One of our neighbors in between, who got some toilet tissue, because I heard him say, there's no toilet tissue, that. <laughs> or he left something on my door the other day. He made a special concoction to rid of ants. He came up with something. It takes a lot of water, just a couple drops. But tick for tack, he came back with something all, also useful for where we live. And that's what happens. Something's on your doorstep. Living here, more than one occasion, Somebody has baked fudge for me. Somebody baked cookies. Watch, well, because the, you you open yourself up and you help people out and you take people to the doctor and and then go take them out to lunch and stuff. You you, you know why are you that way? I'm just a, just out of curiosity. I am a minimalist, and when I was in my early twenties, I was at a party that elders threw, and they were going through the process of being one, and it's not a cult. A mini minimalist just means your bare necessities. Uh, if you look inside my place, Kevin, not too much, and everything was stolen, great. I got to go to the thrift store today. I'll be back in a half hour. It'll be replaced. And so I never let things tie me down. My grandmother, who made it in her 90s, she explained that. And so when you don't have a fear of having possessions that are going to own you, you can get to know the person better now, the neighbors. And it's fun. Way back when, an elder lady once dented one of my dented pickup trucks. I'm down to one vehicle now. And so she's scared because she thinks we're going to go see Judge Judy. 
Well, what I did was put a bigger dent right next to it because it's a quarter panel. I'd already got it. And I said, I think mine was worse than yours. And I said, I bet you didn't do that on purpose. No, no. And I said, well, I kind of did. So I think I'm in trouble now. Don't tell on me. And it became laughter and who cares. That's that. That's really cool. Uh, they, they, so you gave her the truck? I didn't give it to her. But when she, by mistake, bumped into it, nudged it, oh, she yeah, already yeah. Dented, a dented area and it was meaningless. And so uh, I made it even more meaningless and, hey, we're friends. It's all okay. So let's uh, let's talk about being a minimal, minimalist a little bit because that is, uh, I, I get the impression that, see, America, the land of the free and the home of the brave and the, and the home of the we got lots of stuff, I get the impression that that's going to be going away because we can't, aren't going to have as much stuff as we have now because of it's going to be more difficult to find. Uh, do you find that to, to be the case? I thoroughly agree with you. And I remember vintage George Carlin. George Carlin went two ways, and one of them was just cute humor for the family. And he says, I don't understand this country. We buy storage units for all this junk we can't house. And then we buy a bigger house before we get more story. And it doesn't stop the cycle that. And my daughter, we loved it when her and her friends and I take them on a little road trip growing up. And it was neat to step in a hotel. And I would say, open that drawer. Well, when they would open it, it would either have nothing in it or a Bible. I would say, open that closet. It'd be nothing. And I said, let's have home that way. It's clean. It is so roomy. It has a wonderful smell to it. And we're not being overrun by things we don't need. And so I have, I have toilet tissue, but it's going down. But I also have a lot of empty cardboard boxes. On a rainy day, I get something that ends up the Salvation Army, another thrift store or senior centers, or if I put it by the elevator, somebody's going to grab it. And I like to downsize. I will have drawers where I will look at one, and I know it's been a few months that I opened it. I'll open it and kind of feel, but not look, so there's content, and I will take it out and dump it in a plastic bag. Whatever it is, I really don't need it. Well, exactly. I remember when uh, I had uh, my two kids at home and uh and my wife and we had a four-bedroom house we filled it up with stuff now eventually she decided she was going to play elsewhere and uh, so we ended up getting a divorce i actually had to rent a 40 foot garbage dump thing that i put in my driveway so that i could fill it up with all the crap that we'd bought over the years that we never she left and didn't take it and so we never were going to use it and that was you know i it taught me right then that i had way more stuff than i actually needed now it's 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 interesting because i've got like four plates um i i i my my kitchen uh cupboards are virtually empty i don't need anything and i'm perfectly happy living this way the same thing happened to my good friend darla darla's just a magnificent person and anyway darla had a boyfriend at the time there was just something about him that was kind of off and he started he got permission to put some of the things in her garage well he had this huge gothic 1970s 
concept of furniture. So there's this big gothic thing made out of two by fours, but he kept still in the garage. And once his place was cleaned out, he ended the relationship there. It's yours. So how I remedied this, they know me at the value village. I'm always donating things. And I show them the junk because they have that big, big container that you throw junk, but they kind of guard it because everybody, otherwise the whole neighborhood comes. And the guy looked at it. He goes, Matt, you're the only guy that I'll do this for, but I'm only going to do it once. So I went from Peter to Paul. Now they got the 1970s junk. End of story. And somebody else can use that because they have nothing and it can, it can benefit them. And now they have a little bit of something to sit on. That's exactly it. But, but again, to have an abundance of things we don't need that in actuality weigh us down. And I have friends that I move like every three years, every two years, more things go into the storage unit or the storage unit is now transferred to another one. It, it, it's one or in the water. There's no progress here. We're just aging. Well, I'll give you <laughs> give you another example uh, from my life. My uh, when my son and his girlfriend, um, my son bought a house, and so they moved into this house. And I gave him, you know, I was, they were living with me in in the apartment I was living in, and I said, "You take everything you want. I don't need much. Just take what you want, and I'll survive and get and move into an apartment, and and uh, and take what I need." And they took virtually everything. Well. Over the course of time, she decides that uh, she's going to leave and they break up. And um, so she takes most of the things that that he that I'd given him. And and the thing was, was he had so much stuff, he didn't even know what he had. And so all of that stuff just sat there and did nothing. So now she took it and put it in a storage place, probably. And that's where it is today. And uh, it rather than giving it to somebody that could actually use it. Uh, it's just sitting in a thing because, and by the way, George Carlin, the, the skit he did was called stuff. I got stuff okay. and I, I got stuff. I put it in my house and then I have to get a bigger house to put my more stuff in the bigger house. And I have to get a storage unit to put the stuff in that I can't fit into the house. And that's, that it was kind of what he, he, his whole premise was. And it was, it was, it was a fun, uh, episode that he did, but, uh, that's, that's kind of how we as a society have lived is with, you know, whoever has the most stuff wins. And that's really not, yeah. not something that, that we can support anymore. Ella, my friend Ella had three older brothers who I think they were genius IQ level. And one of them, he lived by himself. He had one table, one chair, one cup, one plate, one suit. He basically had one of everything and enough clothes to make it by. And there it is. He's just fine. Not, not a complaint in the world. You remember the gods must be crazy, the one about the cold bottle? Yep. That's exactly how stupid our species is. That's exactly what we are. It is, and, and we uh, are in the midst of a huge amount of change, and all of that is going to come to the forefront really quickly over the course of this summer, I'm afraid. And for, for folks that, that can survive on, you know, like opening a can of soup, putting some extra vegetables in it, a little bit more uh, pasta in it, and some cheese on top, and that makes dinner, that is 
more the way the, that we're going to be going, I do believe. That's basically my home life you've just described. I got the can <laughs> opener. I got the frozen pizzas. I know where Nova and Discovery Channel and the History Channel, the Weather Channel. I love it. But I stay away from horror films because the glass is half full, half empty. We don't want to have an Orson Welles War of the Worlds terrify people. Pandemonium. We can't stop it. It's something to look at one another. And our problem is we had too much and something's being done about it. Let's be there for each other. And I had to laugh at myself because uh, one of the things that I wanted to do in creation of this podcast was to create a little studio here where we could all get together and we could be in the same room and we could, uh, um, so I bought, uh, you know, several microphones and have several stations set up and now nobody can come over it. it so it's, uh, but we're still able to put this together, which is, which uh, I'm really thrilled about. So, um, it's great. It's great having you on. You, you are a very intelligent man who's, who's really got his heart in the right place. And I really appreciate that about you. Kevin, the first time we met, and then we went to Applebee's, it was just fun. It was shadow boxing. Um, you, I, I have a lot of flaws, and the reason why I quit alcohol years ago is so now I have better control when I make my mistakes, because I make at least a few good ones every day. But it's fun to be with a guy like you. You're non-judgmental. The laughter keeps going. And by the way, you laugh at yourself a lot. It makes a guy like me and others feel pretty good. <laughs> well, I am far from far from perfect myself, my friend. I I, I don't know if you listened to uh, Martha Norwalk's show the other the last time I did it because I do uh, um, I do her show one month one day a month on the last Sunday of the month and uh, on KKNW eleven fifty AM if somebody wants to check it out. And uh, I had a gal on by the name of Natasha on and i kept on calling her nastasha and uh and they were laughing at me because i couldn't get the name right and and stuff so it was but it was great fun and uh this is this is a lot of fun to talk to people like you and uh, tell me about your current uh book that you have in the I, I understand you have a bunch of books that you're working on simultaneously uh which one is uh, due to be completed soon i am sitting in front of my laptop, which is closed, and I have at least 40-plus that I'm working on. And I have close to 50, including small stories and Kindle, that have been published. But one of which is, uh, I worked at the Emerald Queen, and I loved it there. I keep in touch with them. I like that sort of thing. I don't gamble or anything, but I was a shuttle driver. You're dealing with all walks of life, and I like to be a designated driver. Uh, Play it smart. Uh, get somebody like me driving no gel for you tonight. And it has to do with a typical guy who goes to the casino to that 20 bucks he could have gone out with his buddies or whatever. He's going to attempt to gamble it. Maybe it'll grow and pay off a credit card bill. Well, that's what most of them are thinking. And they lose it in a period of time. And well, it didn't hurt them too bad. They were going to spend it anyway, but they kind of gave it away instead of sharing a good memory. It finally dawned on him that the happiest people were the employees who were getting tips. And the more happy you are, here it comes. And when I get a tip, I pay forward. After I top off my gas, I will take Ella out. I'll take Paula. 
Uh, we'll go for a dollar tacos at the Aztecas on Tuesday nights. So it's from Peter to Paul, and it's fun. But here, just from being silly fun, you're getting handed to you what they're trying to win, and we're the winners of the big picture. And he learned to get a job there, and the tips started paying those bills he had. And the further away he stayed from gambling, and the more he concentrated on treating people the way you do, Kevin, here it came in small increments, and he and his buddies were playing the same game, and everybody was happy. But they all gave a little tithing. In one way or another, it went the right direction. It helped seniors or maybe their church. They spread the wealth a little bit. Well, you know, and I've never understood um, the the uh, attraction of a casino because for me, I, I don't call it gambling. I call it giving because that's all I ever do. <laughs> that's a good Kevinism. I'm going to remember that. Because all I ever do is give. I never get back. And, and I can. And by the way, I've been to a casino when I we used to travel. We'd go to Las Vegas to do a show. And uh, two things about that. The first thing was because we were doing a show and we were staying there all week, uh, I got a really nice suite. And, and this particular suite actually had a mirror over the bed. Um, looking down, so you could look while you're lying in bed, you could look up and see yourself in the mirror. And it was like, no wonder my wife left. Um, but but the other but the other one is you know I you can go to into a casino with you know I don't know a hundred bucks and you could walk out in twenty minutes without your hundred bucks and what fun is that? I'd rather create a memory. You're absolutely right. It's much more fun to do something and go to a show or or to go uh, uh, even even if you're gonna if you're gonna give away that money, give it to somebody else that that you can go f- help them uh, live a little bit better or, or feed them or uh, buying the booze probably isn't the best idea, but but just taking care of somebody that would be much better than than uh, going to a casino and quote unquote having fun because you you worked in a casino. You know, you saw how many people walked in with great expectations and ended up feeling miserable by the end of the day because they lost a bunch of money. All the time at the first of the month, there are those I would pick up a few hours later crying because they lost their social security. They lost their income for the month. But then the following month, there they are again. It's repeating. Something my dad used to do. My dad's quite a laid-back numbers man. He used to get offers to go to casinos if you carried enough currency with you. And if you had that, well, hey, the flight's for free. We're putting you in a hotel. You're getting a dinner, but you're obligated to gamble these chips. Well, he's not a gambler. And so he would gamble the chips, and within minutes it's gone, and he and mom would see a show. They had a great time. But what he would do is these charters would all meet at some fancy bar somewhere, some lounge, and he would pick the loudest person with the loudest outfit, loudest shirt, the jewelry, bragging about himself. And dad would tantalize the guy as if he was interesting. So the guy now had an audience. He could further boast about himself. And then dad would sit next to him on the flight down as continuing. On the flight back, dad sitting back to the guy. And now he's quiet. Something went wrong. <laughs> and he got great pleasure out of that poetic justice kind of cruel but there are those types out there well i'm sorry they deserved it 
Well, you do, yeah, and now I, I understand that there are people that that uh, are gamblers or they're alcoholic or they've got they've got a uh, um, a disease of some kind or another, and that causes them to have that kind of behavior. But for most people, you you know, they don't make those great big buildings for nothing, and somebody had to pay for them. So if you go to Vegas, it's like, of course, now you can't go to Vegas, and um, that, again, our whole world is changing. What used to be isn't, even the Emerald Queen, I believe, is closed right now, isn't it? It's like a science fiction movie where there's no people, but everything's standing. You can hear a pin drop. Something Rod Sterling would write about what's going on. And the casinos, you see, I like going to the restaurants. They're magnificent, and they have the fun buffets. So I'll take a senior there, and we're enjoying this. But the machines don't talk to us, even though you have to walk through enemy territory to get to that <laughs> restaurant. And it's just amusing, but the colors, the lights, and everything like that. And so I have to be what they hate the most because I'm there to eat more than what I paid for, and then I leave. And then of all things, they hired me. And I had a great time. They were wonderful people to work with. Oh, that's, that's, that's great. Because there are, there are casinos that go through an unbelievable amount of food because they sell it for, for not a lot of money. Because what, what they're counting on is that between the time that you walk in the door and then you find your way to the restaurant, which, by the way, they always put into the back because then you have to walk through all of the uh, one-armed bandits and all of the other games that are being played and stuff like that. And that's how they get you. Yes, and I will do the shuttle driver from one hotel to the other, and a lot of times you just have one retiree there. They always tell the same story. They tell the story how they never win, and then they get a friend to come, and the friend just walks up to something, pulls the lever, and all the bells and whistles, and the guy wanted enough to buy a car. And I guess some of these ventures, if you win big, you get a lot of other free things with it. And so what he's hoping to happen to him, it happened to his naive friend who doesn't know what's going on. You know, you can tell a foreigner somebody out of place because you're always looking upwards at the top of the buildings, the nice design. They're catching things like that, those people. And then Lady Luck, here it comes. But umpteen times throughout the week, various people had the same story. And you, as an author, listen to those stories and you incorporate them into your work in some manner or form, don't you? Absolutely everything. Uh, I always talk to myself because I'm reminding myself of something I mean to write down and I take notes all the time. And this goes back to grade school and eventually it compiles to a dynamic where they represent types of people that are common for me to notice. And then I write stories about how things could play out. And I try to make a good example. It's a good thing you are the way you are. And when something goes wrong, well, we all do that. We've all, somewhere in our life, lost a little bit of gambling, learned a lesson, that type of thing. And so, yes, I get that. Every story I've written had to do with people that I take notice in, people that would talk to me, and I would watch them perform, and it would register. 
So tell me, um, given the, the virus and the situation that we find ourselves in, what kind of a story would you build around this time frame that we're in right now? I have been working on a story for about five years, and I wanted to call it a cabin in the woods, even though that one has already been used, because it has to do with people in the neck of the woods, way out on a point where they're kind of to themselves. you got to walk down a trail pretty far, and you get some type of all-terrain vehicle on dirt road before you finally get gravel. In other words, you're living off the land. You're there. And so when something like this happens, I incorporate the goodwill people do, the fear we go through everything, because it's a different type of Gilligan's Island. There you are. Make something of it. You can do it. That's interesting because, you know, a lot of us are going through this, and it's been, what, six weeks since we've, maybe two months, that we and, and a lot of people are sequestered in their house, and they're feeling very lonesome because they don't really have we most of us because of how we've always traveled and and gotten in our car and gone places we don't really have a good local connection of people just to hang out with um how how would you suggest somebody get through that get out of their house when they can or just just connect with people how do you how do you how do you get people to do that Kevin where you and I live I have seen more and more new faces walking around the parameter because we have a well-guarded community. We're gated on both ends, and it's beautifully manicured, as you know. And so I am seeing people introducing themselves to others because it's a last resort. They have nothing more than stepping out the front steps and getting to know your neighborhood. So it's something very natural. It's a different kind of busing, so to say. And I hope that came out right. Yeah, no, it did. Because you're, you're right in that people are stuck at home, especially people in our community because they're older and they've got health conditions and, and, they're, and they're stuck at home. And many of them have lived alone for a long time. But but this is when when you're here alone, which is one of the reasons why I do this podcast is, is that it's my way of connecting to the world. And when you're home alone and all you've got is you and CNN or you and the History Channel and you can't do anything, it makes it really tough for you. Well, something that has happened this week is that my neighbor across the street, they were working on their home, so they took out items that were still good. They would make it in a thrift store, but they put it out there with that wonderful word, free. Well, not only do people sit through it, the conversation starts. Somebody will have a cup of coffee, which means they plan on spending time visiting. And so we're doing little things, going back and forth to one another because we had no choice. Our wings got clipped, and we realized, geez, it's not so bad being right here after all. No, it, it, it isn't. And there are actually interesting people that you live around and that, that, well, sure. that you can enjoy. Yes, my friend Ella uh, was contained for years in a retirement center and she felt violated a bit having to see the same people in the hall who were kind of put there against their will. Well, now they're all meeting in the laundry room. They're meeting in the lobby. They've established a friendship because they had but no choice to survive as a community. 
they're having fun with it. Even so, in this community, the uh, rec centers closed and the pools closed and the workout centers closed and all of those things, but there still is a way for you to um, get out and talk with your neighbors. I, I'll give you an example. We, I, in, in this house that I was talking about that I live with my family, um, we lived in a cul-de-sac, and it took, literally, it took years for us to get uh, friendly with our neighbors because nobody ever got left their house. Everybody just stayed in their house, and then they got in their car, and they went away. Um, and it wasn't until, oh, we'd been there probably 10 years, that we started actually having a little bit of a, a picnic out in the cul-de-sac, and everybody got together for 4th of July and stuff like that. And it started to build community. That's what we, I think, what we as uh, as a group of people living in a location need to start doing is to get out and to talk to each other and to help each other and support each other a little bit more than we ever have done before. Yes, and the thing is, yesterday, our neighbor Paula, I was so excited to take her to my old neighborhood at Beacon Hill to the hospital there, and I had fun. So it was memory lane, and she used to live there. Other people could have done this, too. I was excited. I'm going to spend a day with a new friend. We did the teenage hamburger thing later. I dropped by to say hi to her this morning. I never used to do that until something had to come to get her transported to the hospital. And so we get a lot of dividends with that. Just something along the line has to be the icebreaker. And again, where we live, because I've been here over five years, there are more and more pedestrians, but they're actually neighbors. It's becoming that big backyard for everyone. That's what's happening right here, Kevin. It seems to be. I, I haven't now. To be honest, I haven't been out much because I'm still mending from my from my surgery. But uh, when I'm feeling better, I will. And the other thing that I've noticed is that a lot of people are out there walking their dogs, and and there and um, there are people that are stopping and talking to each other a little bit more, and 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 stuff like that. Because that's that's the community that we are in, and that's all we have is because all you do now, all I do anyway, is I go to the store, come home, and hang out here, and, and I work a little bit and do stuff. But but it's it's really hard, and it can be, for some people, it's a very, very lonely experience. What I do is pretty much the same thing, and then I will go to, say, Ella's place or another place and get somebody who doesn't have a driver's license, and we're over here. I heated something up, the TV's on, we're enjoying each other's company, and then this is going to sound pathetic, but I finish up the night getting gasoline, and I don't need much, but it just kind of makes it a little more of a ride on the way home. It keeps the conversation going in the car, but again, the epitome of those simple things, the epitome, and we relish it now, it's all, it's all we have, it's that or absolutely nothing. And that is, sadly, this is going to continue until they come up with some sort of a vaccine, and it could be a year or two or three. Now, I know that you follow the news quite a little bit, and what, what, what is your opinion? What, what's going to happen with us here? Well, the thing is, um, I get put out the overkill we do with big-time sports, with people getting paid more than doctors or being above the law, and they got an uh, incredible status symbol in our society because of athletic ability. 
And so now that that is taken away, we're more back home again, playing checkers, playing something from Milton Bradley, getting to know your child better. That's what's happening. And another thing we mentioned, casinos. Well, we could still go out and eat. I mean, you think about it. Somebody made a funny joke. It's like my teenage years. I'm grounded and gasoline is cheap. We've really gone back in time. and There's such a good aspect to this simplicity. I hope that when it's all said and done, we have a lot that say, I really don't have to go there. I really don't have to close that bar every night. I really don't have to go to that table and gamble. You know, you're right. Um, one of the things that I think is going to go away for a very long time and is is going to be uh, uh, major sports. I can't see how, as an example, they're talking about opening up Major League Baseball and putting in them into a stadium without anybody in it and and playing the games there or football, the same thing. It just wouldn't be the same. And, and it's not worth it. I really think that we need to invest, since we're finding out that a lot of us are going to be unemployed and, and it's going to be difficult, I think that we really need to invest the money that we have in this country in each other rather than in major sports, paying a second baseman a quarter of a billion dollars. That just doesn't make any sense to me anymore. I agree with you so much. And you've seen the saga, I've seen this, of the mega rich neighborhoods the mega, mega rich family, their only child, an extravagant playground in the backyard. And then there are no friends because you're so rich, you can't set foot on our property. What good is it for the kid? He wants to get out there and mix it up with everyone. Oh, yeah. And what we're finding now is, is that people that have done very, very well, uh, especially in the service trades. Um, I know an uh, individual, he has two very successful restaurants who both those restaurants are closed down now and he has a he has a huge home um and um he no longer can afford to maintain that huge home but because it was a huge home on a big piece of property they didn't really invite anybody over and they were kind of alone there anyway now he may have to downsize but he may end up in a better place yes exactly i remember these places that would get floods and please help us do sandbags to save our castle. Hey, aren't you the people that had that no trespassing sign where you lived in a community where I had no access to the lake or to the sound or whatever. And I don't want people to lose what they've had, but there's a little give and take here and everything. Yeah. People, well, you hear these stories where you were lucky to escape with your life where everything else went. Well, good thing you were smart enough to know what really mattered. Exactly. See, we are going to, all of this is going to change. Um, I had a laugh yesterday. I was talking with my mother because I was, I'm contemplating doing some uh, work in my new home. And, and she said, and um, she said, well, why don't you look in the yellow pages? And I said, mom, I don't think they make yellow pages anymore. Uh, for those of you who don't know what the yellow pages are, that it used to be that there was a phone book that they would distribute, and you'd get it free, and you'd get it once a once a year at your door, and people would sell advertising in that, and then you would have this this book where had everybody's phone number was in. Now you can do all that stuff online. I don't know. 
if I've, I've even seen a phone book lately, and, and, and I was curious. You are a historian, a historian buff, or a history buff, I should probably say. And so what, what other businesses can you think of? Because there are going to be a bunch that are no longer going to be viable, given what our current situation. Um, what other businesses can you think of that have gone by the wayside? Well, first of all, the dining places are doing good one way and bad another because the places that we don't affiliate with, uh, associate with takeout, well, that's your only choice now. Now, our friend Eileen Grimes, she does a reading after dark. It's a lot of fun. She does it at two different restaurants. Well, the one restaurant, the Pizza Cause, is just a fabulous place in Lakewood off the freeway. Uh, when I went there last time, I tipped our favorite server $50. And the reason why is, yes, they're busy, but it's not even close to what it was. And these are servers where the tips decide if they can pay their bills or not. Uh, what's going to the wayside is, I will say, professional sports again. I think anything that puts somebody on a pedestal where you're making hundreds of millions or whatever, that we're kind of having a revolution, a revolt against that now. This could be the beginning of the end for the high-paid athlete because when things get going again, I don't think we're going to have sellout stadiums anymore. I personally don't want to go to any. Well, there's, there is lots of places that, and, and you're right, sit-down restaurants are going to be a thing of the past, at least a lot of them, because right now they're opening up at, at 25% of, of uh, capacity in some places. Well, the 25% of capacity isn't going to uh, pay the rent. Um, most of these guys, if, they, if they're not doing a bang-up business on takeout, the, they're going to have a real problem uh, staying open. Um, but there are other things. Other- they're just keeping the heart beating. Yeah. Just just keeping the the, uh, um, the 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 lights on and and stuff. Plus, a lot of these folks, if you remember, in in Washington State, they closed down on a Saturday, and all these restaurants had gotten their groceries on a Friday, and they're still sitting there in the freezer or the in, in or in the uh, uh, refrigerator, and a lot of it's gone bad, so they have to replace that, and so that's it's very expensive to do. But I think that we are going to it's going to change how we do business in this country in a great in in, in and that's always been the way as an example when when uh, uh dvds became went to Redbox and and stuff the the video store went out of business do you remember yeah do you remember um what what was the name of that the big the the last one that went out i can't remember the name of it was it blockbuster yeah that's it blockbuster now there aren't any blockbusters anymore um, well, I remember. I remember when the VCR tapes were really something, and I thought it was a revival of the old eight-track tapes. And again, there it goes. And a lot of old musicians have to perform because I think they use the word pirating. You really don't have to buy. If you've got a cell phone, it's what are they called? Smartphones. That's all you need. You have everything ever made. Yep. And all of that's gone by the wayside. So you don't have uh, another one. That, uh, do you remember uh, um, the little photomat shops? Very well. Yeah. Very well, yes. 
for those people who don't remember, they were the size of a, a basically a cracker bag, a cracker jack box, and they were little little buildings that they would put in the middle of a parking lot, and then you would take your pictures that you had taken and you'd take them to the photo mat and you'd have them developed and then you would go pick them up in a day or two and now it's all digital. So that's gone. Yes. Well, I'm a shipwreck buff. That's kind of an awkward thing. It was my dad who introduced me to shipwrecks, the Titanic and so forth. Well, these huge car carriers that carry either hundreds or thousands of cars, some figure like that, when they're on high seas, it only takes four people to run the thing. Just four people, as big as that thing is and what it's doing. Well, not too long ago, you had a crew of over a 1,000 people on a ship, easy. And now it takes four. Yes, and that's probably pushing it. And then, you know, <laughs> I'm not trying to terrify people. We hear rumors, speculations. We kind of get off on a tangent it may or may not be true but something you've heard well i was told that faxing was sort of tipping our hand because they could go a step further than just fax that they could actually do the star Trek thing that long ago they learned how to do that now if that is actually correct what happens to the trucking industry do we need freeways what happens to the airlines? You see where I'm going with this. If we really kick up our technology, how many of us have got to get back to farming? Oh, well, yeah. Now, are you, to clarify, are you, are you talking about uh, um, um, energizing themselves from one place to another? Yes, that concept. Because all the time there's a documentary, a radio show, where they speculate and others say, no, no, they can really do it. Well, if they can do it, it's a good thing they're not doing it because of what it would do to the workforce. But if they can do it, eventually it's going to be out there and more prevalent. Well, I, I still think that uh, Gene Roddenberry, who was the, the uh, who created Star Trek, I think he was right on because in the twenty third century, nobody works. Everybody can do what they want to do or what they choose to do, what they're passionate about doing, but nobody has to work for a living because uh, everything is, is is automated and can be provided for them. I think that would be kind of cool, don't you? Better not have too much of a population if that's the way it is. But, yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. And then, again, you hear about surveillance. My ex-father-in-law was an uppity up with AWAC. And he told me that AWACS could hear whoever is inside a building on the other side of town. Doesn't matter what floor, doesn't matter if you're whispering. Well, what else do they do? What throws me is that they will say a comet is coming. They will claim that the comet is going like a million miles an hour and that it's days away and it's trillions. How do they know that from little old us right here? Oh yeah, well my my son's in the uh uh in the Air Force and he there's some there's a bunch of stuff that he can't tell me about and I ask him about it and he can't tell me about it. There are but the, we've got capabilities in our armed forces that uh we're not we're not privy to, but it's it's pretty amazing what they can do these days. That's what I'm told. I've had military people say that if society knew what was kept from them, 
There'd be pandemonium in the streets. People would be out there crying and I'm scared to think what it would be to bring us to our knees like that. Well, it could happen. <laughs> of course, now we're going down the rabbit hole a little bit, but that's okay. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's fun talking to you, Matt. It's, it's, uh, you, you've got a lot of stuff going on and, and, uh, I really applaud the fact that you are a real genuine guy who is really working hard to, uh, be a community guy and give out toilet paper and stuff. It really is pretty cool. Hey, something else that I really like is that the churches are now using the internet service. Is it called zoom? Is yep. that what it's called? It's called zoom. Okay. And so they're now, how does it go? If you can't go to the mountain, you bring the mountain here. But more than one way to skin a cat. So people are not losing their faith, their identity. And here's something else that happened. My wonderful daughter, where she's a Marlo Thomas in her own right. She is a hardworking girl and a juggling act. And hey, she has her own life. Because of things being thinned out quite a bit, I'm hearing a little bit more from my kid. And, you know, you know what it's like with kids. You can never hear enough from them. My brother, Dan, he's always going on trips. I'm hearing more from family now. They have the time, and they want to make sure that the rest of the family is okay. That And that really is the direction that we need to be going, is sense of community, sense of family. Uh, I agree with you. I think I think the day of the big time athlete and and those guys that that make 35 million 40 million dollars a year those days are over uh because they can't fill the stadium so now they'll sell tv time but over time uh people will lose interest in that because it, it seems fake and forced so i think you're right that uh the big time athlete and besides the fact i think teachers are underpaid i think People, uh, civil servants are underpaid. People that that take care of us and and drive our buses and uh, you know I was law enforcement. Law enforcement. I was I was a I have been a bus driver for eleven years. Can't do it now because I'm I'm uh, out sick. But um, there are there are bus drivers that are getting sick and some are dying, taking people from place to place. It is amazing what how brave and how hardworking these folks are and uh i applaud the i applaud them greatly and and uh um we need to take care of those folks yes they're unsung heroes they're on the front line doing it for us doing as much as they can to <laughs> save them to save us basically that's what they're doing that's exactly that's exactly right so um well matthew um i'm i think i feel the need that it's time to wrap this podcast up i got stuff i gotta go do and so do you and but is there anything that you would like to tell our audience before we go yes this my independence report kevin has quite an archive and the shows are fun you're always welcome to call in but he has so many shows including the ones that you did call in on and so you don't have to catch us live. We're always out there. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And by the way, Matt, if you go to mattshabooks.com, you can find out more about your books, right? Yes, I am now getting audio books out there. They're a lot of fun, and I will be getting some free ones out there shortly. I like to do that. And a lot of free stuff, and you could write me, I could write you, and get to know one another. Give me some ideas. I can't. I can't do anything without feedback from people. 
So now let, let me ask you, are you, are you voicing the uh, audiobooks yourself? I'm going to be doing one short one and it has to do with the prank I played on my brother, Paul, but I have friends who are radio people. For example, Doug, Doug Johnson has offered to do one. And then I have a few other, I would say professional voice people out there. And so I'm having fun with this. It's a mix. And if anybody wants to volunteer and try great, uh, you would be good at that, Kevin. Well, I'm, 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 I'm all in, my friend. If you decide, you pick, you pick it, and uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can put together. I love it, but I'd be real, real interested in doing that. So that would be a lot of fun. So, given, so given that, Matt, thank you so much for for being on my Independence Report, and we're going to put this up so you can listen to it and and stuff. It's been it's been great fun having you, and we're just you know sitting here shooting the breeze. But I think that you have you in the neighborhood, Kevin. Absolutely, you've got some really good things going on, and I applaud you for being you know as as open and as honest and uh, as helpful as you are to are the senior citizens that are in our park because it's they need they need it a lot. Well, I appreciate it, and back at you you. You do a lot more than you give yourself credit for. You've done a lot for me, Kevin, an awful lot. Well, I, I appreciate it, buddy, and you have yourself a great day. And by the way, everyone, you know, take care of yourselves. We'll get through this. Don't know how, but we will. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report. I have to tell you, sir, that was a lot of fun.